This is a Glendale Library Arts and Culture program created for and featuring teens, edited and hosted by the teen library staff. This episode is part of Glendale Library Arts and Cultures and the Southern California Library Cooperative's Be the Change series, which focuses on inclusion, diversity, equity, and anti-racism. Be the Change events will build collective understanding of systematic racism, elevate the voices and stories of Black, Indigenous, and people of color, and inspire our community to be the change. As part of Native American Heritage Month in early November, Glendale Library Arts and Culture will host various programs. The first is Walter Echo Hawk, who will discuss his book, In the Courts of the Conquerors, The Ten Worst Indian Law Cases Ever Decided, on Thursday, November 5th. On November 30th at 6.30 p.m., author David Heska Wanville Wyden will discuss his new novel, Winter Counts. Register for the event at www.glac.info backslash be the change. Hi everyone, it's Melissa. And Desiree. Welcome to the guest episode of Teen Gen Talks. Today's guest is the founder of Red Planet Books and Comics, the only Native American comic shop in the world as well as Native Realities Publishing and the Indigenous Comic-Con. He is the author of several comic books, including Six Killer and Ghost River. He is also the author of RPG several expansions, Devil's Run, Down Darker, Trails, and Colonies. He is a grade A Indigenerd and lives in Albuquerque with his family. Grab a snack and drink, and let's welcome Dr. Lee Francis IV to Teen Gen Talks. Thank you so much, Dr. Lee Francis the fourth for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. We have a lot to discuss. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, really wonderful in our new age, our new digital age. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I want to start off the interview by asking, how did you fall in love with comic books in general? And if you remember the first comic book you ever read? I don't know if I can remember as far back as the first. I have a very distinct memory of being a kid in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and going down to a place called Durand Central Pharmacy, and they had an old spinner rack. And my dad let me pick some stuff off the spinner rack. And I mean, I don't really see them anymore. It's all wallboards now. But, you know, that that rack was really important. It's been really seminal in my, like, sort of remembrances of, of comic books. Um, I remember an early one was a Marvel Almanac. That was an early one that I owned, and that had, like, all the, you know, like, characters you know, in them and their powers and who they were. And there was like an almanac of the dead where there was like, you know, like when they died and, you know, how they died and all the rest of that. So like for me, I was always really fascinated by like the history of the characters. Like I've always been a a history fan as well. And and sort of the history of the characters and, you know, where they come from and who they are and and whatnot. So um, I remember, you know, potentially one of my earliest ones probably was maybe a Thor um, you know, kind of drifting back in there. And then I actually fell in love with Iron Man for a while, um, for a long time. I still love Iron Man. So, uh, those were, that was my, er- that was my earliest collection was the early Iron Man. Um, I used to have them up. I'd have them in, in you know, I'd have them all board bagged and boxed. And then I'd like take the extras that I had and I put them up all on my walls. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So, I mean, I've loved comics for a while. I come from a literary family. I come from a family of readers, um, my dad was a big science fiction fantasy fan. My mom was a big fantasy fan. So I think it was an easy transition. And my my dad in particular never really had any stigmas against reading comics. So it wasn't something that was, you know, put down in our house. He was like, you want to read? Go ahead and read. That sounds great. So that's that's what I do. I would read. I'd read comics. I'd read, you know, whatever I could get my hands on. And, 
Um, and, you know, as I continue to grow older, I think it, you know, my, my interest began to develop more. And, and so it branched uh, not only from the singles and from the, the stories, but looking for, for things that were even more narrative and, and new and fresh and, and playing with the genre and developing new stories that I was really interested in. So I've had that with me since I was as, as long back as I can remember. You are the owner and CEO of Native Realities. Can you explain a bit of what the company is and what has been your goal in creating the company? Yeah. So Native Realities, I founded Native Realities back in 2014. The idea was to create uh, uh, media, pop culture media specifically, help uh, dispel or be a counterpoint to the misrepresentations, um, to the stereotypes of Native and Indigenous people within popular culture. Uh, I've been studying popular culture for 20 some years at this point. I began my career actually as an educator at Laguna Acoma High School. Uh, that's where my dad's side of the family is from, is from Laguna Pueblo, um, about 45 miles west of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And when I was teaching, it was one of the things that I really began to notice was just the lack, not even just like pop culture material, not even comic books, um, books, right? So there's like a small bit of kids books. There's a, you know, there's a, there, at the time, a small bit of kids' books, picture books, mostly by non-natives. If you did find picture books by native folks, they were, you know, very few and far between, and they were often very localized. So it was very hard to get them nationally. Um, I, I also found that it was very difficult to see native folks that weren't sidekicks. Um, so I began researching it. My actually, uh, my undergraduate is in theater, and I had started doing research at that point of how natives were portrayed on stage. And there's a direct link to the way that Native people were portrayed on stage, working throughout history, and then into literature, and then into film and television, and 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 a lot of it being very stereotypical, being very misrepresentative, being very uh, violent towards Native and Indigenous peoples here in North America. Um, so noticing that as a as an educator, as a teacher, um, I decided that I really needed to do something about that, and felt that it was really important that I started publishing and working with native creatives that I know, some really incredible folks to develop out this company, to make our first uh, comic books and creations. And I think we published like two in the first year and then four, and then now we're up to over a half a dozen. Uh, some of them that have been critically acclaimed, including Ghost River, which we just published this last year. Um, and then we have other, you know, various things that I'm still trying to fit out the rest of it. It's like, okay, we got the comics book side, so let's publish some of those. And then, and then a bunch of other stuff, which I'm sure we'll get to, a bunch of other stuff sort of started to develop as well, um, which pulled me in multiple directions, but has allowed us to get not only Native Realities, but the other entities that I run, uh, more traction, more understanding, and more representation in the media for what we've been trying to accomplish. And do you think it's gotten better throughout the years of you studying all of this about, like, you know, the representation and all that stuff? Yes and no. It's changed. Um, I named the company Native Realities because the idea was that we were trying to portray the native realities, the realities of native people, not something that was a, a, myth, a mythological representation of native people. Although there can be, in stereotypes, in mythology, there can be you know, aspects and elements that, that are true, but they're often inflated and they're often misrepresented. 
So that's that's I always say that whenever anybody's just like, well, stereotypes are are rooted to to you know in in reality. I was like, no, they're actually not. They're rooted in a a fantasy, a fantastical reality, and they are very rarely representative of the lived experience of anybody that deals with stereotype, right? Um, even though we joke about our own internal stereotypes, right? We, right. you know, I'm like, what's you know, it's the the flying chunkless, right? You know, grandma. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's something that we joke about, but it is also something that when it subsumes the, the idea with stereotypes is it subsumes all other signifiers of the identity of the individual. And so it becomes boiled down to just a small, um, usually visual representations uh, of of how people exist. Right. And media does this over and over and over and over and over again. I, it's funny because, like, I look on TikTok. And I look on, you know, Instagram, stuff like that. I'm not trying to be cool. I'm just, I like it. <laughs> I'm one of those, one of those late uh, Gen Xers that likes to go, you know, check out what's going on. I like it because it's quick, it's easy, it's fun to watch. But a lot of the times, the things that gets likes and laughs, you know, they're, they're often, you know, portraying some stereotypes, right? So sometimes they're really, really essentializing a particular existence, right? This is how Mexicans are. This is how natives are. As if, as if it's definitive, right? So has it, I don't necessarily know if it has gotten better. Better is, I think, a subjective word. I think it has changed in a way that has created more dynamic representations mm -hmm. and allowed more people at the table. However, that being said, popular media, especially tends to still revert to the tropes that have already been established. Right. So I think the last major movies that came out all featured some variation of a dead or dying Indian, right? And mm -hmm. and I use that very deliberately in terms of that. And it's, you know, and and for me that's where we haven't made the step. So there's there's more sympathy toward native people in our current mindset and current era. However, I've already seen this because I've done the history for 400 years. There was sympathy back 400 years ago. It was called the Noble Savage, and there was sympathy when they when when James Fenimore Cooper wrote Last of the Mohicans. That was also a noble savage, but it was a vanishing. It was a dead or dying Indian, right? The Indians are leaving, and we feel so sad as white America and curse the English, you know. Um, and when the movie comes out, it's the same kind of thing. Dances with Wolves, right? Same mindset of how Native people exist. Uh, that is that that there is always this underlying sense of tragedy, not an underlying sense of resilience. And that's what we're trying to get at. So when I'm working on this work, I think it's changing because native folks are now in the game. Mm -hmm. I just read in a fantastic article that called out one of my colleagues, Dr. Elizabeth LaPonce at uh, Michigan State University. She's a game designer, an incredible game designer. There's been tons of you know wonderful native-centric tribalographic games that she's designed. I mean, like she's the queen of native game design. And so, you know, or I guess I won't say like Indian princess because no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, what a matriarch, she's the matriarch, right? Of native game design, that's, there it is. Um, she, uh, they they did some incredible work. Uh, one of her, I don't, I can't, I, I'm not, I don't know him personally. Uh, uh, Brave, Mr. Brave is the last name. Uh, Brave is the last name. Um, they did Age of Empires. So Age of Empires three that came out, had a lot of issues with it. They got a lot of feedback. They went to a native community. They went to a native person. He wrote a narrative. He's in the gaming industry. He was able to get them to change a lot of the things. One of the things that I thought was fantastic was that they 
was that they addressed this issue of mining, right? So in Age of Empires, you can go through and mine, you mine for gold. Well, rather than saying like mining, he came with this point that it's antithetical to like native existence. I don't know how that would be because pretty much our existence stopped 400 years ago. So maybe would have would have been mining more. Maybe we wouldn't. Who knows? But what he changed it to was the 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 tribal marketplace, the community marketplace, and that's where you generate revenue. And I was like, that's so genius because most of our societies had robust trading networks and robust marketplaces that generated incredible economies and economies of wealth for indigenous people. So think changes like that are the things that are really dynamic for me right now. I'm, I'm excited that folks are starting to listen, but I think a lot of it is because people like me, people like Dr. LaPonce, we're, you know, uh, Mr. Brave, we, we have, we're, we're gaining a skill set and making sure that we're visible and that we're noticed and that we can articulate both the necessities of the industry as well as the necessities of our cultural dynamics. You are also the founder of Red Planet Books and Comics. Can you talk a little bit more about the store? Oh yeah, uh, it's the only native comic shop in the world. As far as I know, I don't think anybody else is coming along to try and take our crown. So, and even <laughs> when they do, then we just get to be the first. So that's fine with me. In fact, I would be super happy if, if we got like, it was just like, well, we are, you're not the only, and I'd be like, yeah, I'd be super excited. <laughs> But right now, I think we're only we are a bookstore and comic book shop. So we run a majority of comic books. Uh, we run uh, native comic books. 90% of our work is non-Western um, in terms of our book selection and our comic selection. And the other, I mean, maybe I'll say 80% because we've really built out our comic book stock in the pandemic months. Um, so it's, it's shrinking. But even in that comic book stock, although we carry a lot of the standards, we still carry and privilege uh, communities of color, writers of color, and characters of color. So um, we, I make no bones about it. I'm just like, look, we're a specialty shop. If, if you're looking for other things, there are great other shops. I don't have to carry everything for everybody, right? That's not my job. Um, I founded Red Planet on the heels of the Indigenous Comic-Con, um, which I also founded. Uh, as a way to just kind of keep the party going. We wanted, we needed office space because I had too many books in my house and I had too many posters and all of the stuff that we had accumulated from the first Comic-Con. And my wife was like, yo, I can't get down the hallway. You need to move some stuff. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right. So we were like, well, I need an office. Also, I started to get a staff. And so I was just like, I, I don't want them in my living room. They can't, they can't be meeting here. No, 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 no. So, uh, so we found a, a little storefront with our, our operating partner, the Southwest Organizing Project here in Albuquerque, and um, and they've been a great partner up to this point. Uh, it, I mean, they've been a great partner throughout. And we found this little shop, and we um, this little shotgun, you know, little shotgun shop goes all the way back. We got about 800 square feet. We're using about 400 of it right now, and we are pretty much, you know, one of the sole distributors. You can find most of the if you're looking for good native books, good quality stuff. That's you want to look at us first. And how has COVID um, affected Red Planet books and comics? Yeah, I mean, it's been difficult. Everybody's had, you know, I mean, everybody's struggling in some ways. I think we've been able to ride the storm um, primarily because uh, I never put eggs in one basket, uh, you know, to use mm -hmm. the colloquialism or I don't even remember what it's called, um, the saying, I guess. Uh, so that's why we, we not only published, but we had a trade show, which was the Comic-Con, and we had a, sh and a storefront. And then last year, we started making moves towards really getting into distributing, which 
we can cultivate, we can, you know, develop your native book lists, we can help you develop out your comic book list that's age appropriate, that you can build out your library with, because it's, it's really hot right now, and not just simply because of superheroes, but because of what comic books have always offered, graphic novels have always offered, which is really interesting reading. It's it's visual, you got characters. I mean, that's why I've always loved it. So, uh, you know, we it's been, there's been a lot of pivoting, there's been a lot of work. In the early days, like May, March, April, we had to cancel the Comic-Con, and then moving into April, it was really, for me, all around just maintaining visibility, right? Mm -hmm. Hi, we're still here, we didn't fail, we're not closing down. So, and, and, and also support, I mean, like our other mission is not just getting books out there, which is the, the point of like, you know, of selling books so that, that it's in the, in the shops, but also supporting native creatives, right? So indigenous creatives, and most of them had had and continue to have no gigs. A lot of them, you know, lived on this gig or trade show economy, right? Mm -hmm. So they'd, they'd be slinging their stuff on the side of the road or they'd be slinging their stuff at my Comic-Con or the other Comic-Con or Indian Market or Santa Fe Market or, you know, Gathering of Nations, right? So a lot of my friends and their, you know, colleagues and friends of mine, that of work. So partly, you know, I was scrambling to try and find resources and whatnot to get in to make sure that Native folks that native artists still had some revenue in that time. So a lot of it we pivoted, just making sure our name was on stuff. Um, in the meantime, we continue to develop various things. One of the projects you can see right here, uh, we actually kickstarted successfully um, this little project. So we've got our Indigimatch cards. So we've got our new first game that came out. So it's a matching awesome. game. Native heroes. So it's just for kids, little kids. Um, so, you know, we started that successfully. So we got a little box. There it is right there. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess you got to show it in my face. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, a green, it's a green box, right? So yeah. um, so that uh, we're looking for filling that next month for everybody before the holidays during Native American Heritage Month. Um, I got a few things that I got to tweak on on, um, on some of the quality. So we're doing some quality control stuff right now. But that's essentially what we've been working on, right? So yeah that's that's and and now we just continue to do that we're we're building out the staff a little bit more we're trying to get more of the books in and going from there so so in your bio you mentioned you're a grade a indigenous can you explain the term a little bit for like people that don't know what it is sure i i define indigenous as somebody that wants to well somebody that like you know uh, within popular culture and, and sort of nerd culture nerd core um is someone that wants to see dynamic and authentic representations of native and indigenous people in pop culture it's really simple. Anyone can be an indigenous, right? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to be, you know, a little bit uh, delicate about how you're going to take that on. But for me, I take that on full, you know, that that's what I do. I love nerd stuff. You know, I it's, it's kind of how I live my life. I, you know, I play games, I read comics, I do all, you know, all this stuff. I run a business that revolves around that. I get to talk about it all day. It's like my favorite days when we're at the shop or online is like, yeah, what's the new stuff that you, oh, did you just see what happened? So um, I was just really fortunate. They just came through last week to film me for starwars.com. Um, oh, so it's, uh, yeah. they have a new, a new series on starwars.com called Community Stories. So mm -hmm. they came to the shop and filmed me and in the shop and as a native nerd, as an indigenous. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, you touched on on it a little bit previously about Indigenous Comic Con, and you're an organizer of this event. How has that whole experience been? Uh, it's been amazing, quite frankly. I had no idea in 2016 what I was getting into. I had organized other events, uh, but founding the Comic Con was was really 
quite uh, a Herculean effort um, because it's not really just a show. It's three shows simultaneously. It's a trade show. It's a festival and it's a, a workshop area, right? And they're all running all at the same time. Um, so anybody that knows me and anybody that's ever you know worked with me on this and I've got a really great staff and a really great crew of volunteers is, you know, the first year I pretty much just muscled the thing on my shoulders. I had no idea what I was doing. We were running in the last week trying to scramble for volunteers. I had just people that were really good hearted that just came in and was just like, Shh, we'll take care of that lay down. So that was just really beautiful. So I've learned a lot more about how to put all the things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've learned a lot more in over time and, and we continue to build it out up until this last year. We, we had a whole different, we had moved from indigenous comic-con to a big downtown city fest called Indigipop X, uh, which we were going to be showcasing food, uh, indigenous futurisms, as well as the comic-con that was going to go on for, it was a festival, a five day festival. And, you know, unfortunately we had to, that was in March. So that was like the week. Yeah, I think it was two weeks before we were supposed to go up. Uh, They flagged everything. So we were like, well, we'll have to wait. So uh, instead we went digital. We did our Futurisms Days. We did a weekend of just like eight hours of programming that I put back from, I got friends to record real quick. And then I pulled stuff from old videos from previous years. And I was like, hey, since you can't be here, we're just gonna be running this. So I just put it kind of on autoplay. And yeah. I check in every now and then, but I just put it on autoplay and just let people check in as they wanted to throughout their day, right? Like they would kind of be at a Comic Con. So, and that that was, I think that was the the last weekend of March uh, that I did that because I I moved quick right after right after we we closed out. Um, so, but yeah, it's been it's been an amazing experience. It's been life altering for me. Uh, you know, I got interviewed by you know places like News. What I got interviewed things like Newsweek, Al Jazeera came out did an interview whatever the, uh, what is it, News Hour on PBS came and did a whole, ser- you know, whole thing on us. Star Wars, they found me from Star Wars, so I got to go interview with Star Wars for that. So, you know, um, it's just really cool stuff that's happened. How does your book and comic book store help support Native goods and merchandise or help the Native community? It, it brings awareness. It brings awareness that people can find this and starts to break down the monopoly that certain gigantic uh, companies uh, out of California, Amazon, uh, that, um, that, that they hold, right? What I see is a lot of native folks, I mean, they're so excited to have a book published by a major publisher and all the rest of that. And they're like, buy my book from Amazon. And I'm like, buy your book from a native distributor because we actually get more money back. And then our profits go back into making more creations, right? So creating more things, hiring more people, etc. So I mean, on the, I guess on the economic line, it's job creation, it's, you know, it's, it's economic development, uh, it's our storefront, but for me, it's awareness, right? A shop like this, there's only three shops like this in the United States. I think they've got about eight in, in so-called Canada. So in first nations territory in Canada, um, you know, they, they've got like eight or nine, they're well ahead of us. Like, you know, indigenous communities that, because a lot of the times they are right up against the cities. So, you know, or in they're, they're carved out as part of a suburb in terms of their territory. So they often open up in those spaces. There's only three, which is us west of the Mississippi, uh, Birchbark Books in Minneapolis and La Resistencia Books in Austin, Texas. And Resistencia is, we'll say, indígena. So it's it's more mm-hmm. like the, the transporter than it is, mm-hmm. you know, Native North American. We're much more Native North American, but very Western. And Birchbark is very Northern Eastern. Um, so 
so, you know, and I always call them out because the point is that I'm not that I was like, yes, I'd love to be the main person ever and ever because that helps my bottom line. Cool. But also have been doing this work long enough that I was like, man, if you get one started in California, you know, get one started in Washington State, get one started in New York City, get one started in Alabama. I'm like, that's great. That's what we're trying to do. And that actually makes it more if you have more of these options and opportunities, then that actually that changes the publishing dynamic because then more content gets to come out of these places, right? So for me, that's, that's you know, the, the, the necessity of having a Red Planet or a Birch Bark or a Resistencia is that it creates a, a center where these, these, these major institutions um, in Western business and Western economics begin to recognize that if they don't have these small little places or bigger little places, um, then they're not then, then they're not going to sell this stuff, which in some ways they don't care about. But also it gives us the counterpoint, which is, well, you guys keep saying you care about it. You keep saying you care about diversity. Well, if it's not coming out of my shop and you guys are losing a lot more out of Amazon than you are out of me. So before we end, we have some rapid fire questions to ask you. Um, the first You're question. Ready. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ready? Okay, so the first question is, what is your favorite color? Red. What is something that you have been proud to say that you have accomplished? Uh, Red Planet Books and Comics. I mean, really, that's been the biggest one. And my son, uh, you know, I've kept him alive for, what, 10 years now? That's one of my, I, I don't celebrate his birthday. I celebrate my keeping him alive day. That's what we celebrate. <laughs> um, what is your favorite all-time comic book? Ooh, oh, that's tough. Um, it, it always it always ranges comic series all time for nostalgia purposes was the uh, age of apocalypse mm -hmm. uh, that whole series was like right at the time when I was you know dead on reading comics uh, that was my high school age and it was phenomenal and it's aged pretty well uh, I've gone back and read it a couple of times I think uh, the one that I just like I put down and was like this is the most amazing thing I've read uh, I mean to be honest, I'd probably say in the mainstream, I'd say something like Saga. Um, you know, in the alternative work, I only uh, served as the publisher for Dear Woman. Uh, so the Dear Woman anthology, I would say, was incredibly moving for me as well. So it, in terms of like Native comics and whatnot, I think that one, representation of Native women, is really important to me. And the work that Dr. LaPonce and my partner, my, my artistic partner with Shoyal Vitre, uh, put together was was phenomenal. What is some advice that you wish that you have known when you were younger? Not to 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 really let the ego go. To not uh, take any to, to not take as much personally. I still take everything personally always. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I've kind of started to really um, focus a lot more. I actually appreciate that Facebook has just like Facebook Business, so I don't actually have to go on Facebook anymore. Because a lot of times when you interact. Like, it's just, it's the Wild West. And and I take it, I mean, anybody, anybody says, they're like, oh, your hair is out of place. And I was just like, <laughs> so, you know, uh, I wish I had, uh, you know, developed a, a skill and capacity that a lot of my friends have uh, to sort of let things roll a little easier. Can you describe yourself as a teenager in three words? As a teenager mm -hmm. in three words. Um, dramatic, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, hold on, I'm trying to think of the right word. I guess it's going to be four words, but we won't count the of. Dramatic center of attention. Okay. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, what superpower would you have? Right now, uh, 
as a Pueblo person, and, and I get this question, and I've thought about it a lot, I think right now it would really be, it's split between two. One is to be able to, um, like a, a heart persuasion. Um, so in talking with people, you would be able to like connect deeper. Um, not because I, I don't, I mean like the mind stuff and like telekinesis and you know, all that other stuff. Like, I feel like that's really sort of invasive, but -hmm. it would be better to be able to like connect to people's hearts. Right. Cause like, I just think we need that so much. Cause like, you know, there's people that you're just like, Oh, I like you. Oh, you're kind of horrible, but I don't think you're like totally horrible. You're just like a little horrible. And maybe if we had a better connection, you would be able to change. Cause you could feel so you know you'd be able to like feel mine i'd be able to feel yours and we could change like that the other thing that i was sort of like default to is water um like water making uh mm-hmm. you know from here as a pueblo with no water in a desert uh it's sacred it's important so you know if i had that power it would be to just like you know be like all right you guys don't need to worry about all this stuff anymore in fact you know the i'd be like the abyss i just have everything cascade I don't know. Like <laughs> Um, if you could have three people dead or alive for dinner guests, who would it be? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, my dad would always be one. Uh, he passed away in 2003. So that's, he's always at the top of my list. Man, uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, these are good questions, y'all. These are good. This is great. You're making, you put me, these are the, ra- I wasn't even rapid fire. These are like really deeply thoughtful. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd probably go with more modern folks. Um, uh, I'd take somebody like, uh, what, you know, um, like Maria Tallchief would be amazing to have at dinner and kind of hear her story. And let's think from way back to kind of mix it up a little bit, who would we want? Um, probably like, uh, oh, um, Brant, Chief Brant, um, uh, from the Iroquois Confederacy. Uh, he was instrumental in, in the Revolutionary War. I'd love to, I mean, that'd be, that'd be awesome. So I'll throw you a little history. So way back. <laughs> what does success for you mean right now? For me, it really means sustainability. Being able to continue doing the work that I'm doing uh, for as long as I possibly can and to be comfortable and to bring all of my friends and all of my colleagues in so that we all get to enjoy eat well, live well, and, and, and really just love what we're doing. What game are you currently playing right now? Uh, right now, I just picked up, actually, I can tell you, I, I, I tend to not get too deep into stuff. I actually just restarted playing Overwatch with my kid. So we've gone back to Overwatch. Um, Civ 6 is always on deck for me. That's just, but I, you know, I played it so, I played it since it first came out, like the original Civilization. So like, that's just kind of on my computer. But I started playing Apple Arcade's Grindstone. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's like Candy Crush, but I don't have to pay for all the upgrades and I don't have to yeah. see the ads on Apple Arcade. So it's just like, it's like a little dungeon conquering thing. There are times when I really just like games. They're just comp- like those kinds of mindless games because it's meditative. Right. I don't have to think about anything. And it passes away like 30 minutes, but 45 minutes before bed. And then I'm just like calm. And I think I'm like thinking about like dungeon flashing. It's perfect. Yeah. So what is a book that you have read recently or are currently reading that you would recommend? Uh, absolutely. I would recommend, what have I got? Did I have, did I bring it with me? Yes, I did. So I just picked up, I've actually got a couple. Uh, I, I know you said one. Um, uh, Darcy Little Badger's Strangelands. I just brought this with me. 
Um, it's not recent, but it's one that I'm I'm picking up, which I'm really excited about. Also, Darcy Little Badger's Lotsoe, which just came out. What is it? Uh, I'll go with Stephen Graham Jones, uh, The Only Good Indian. I don't think it's, that's quite the title, but uh, yeah, I think it's The Only Good Indian. Um, and that's a, a, it's his new release. It's a horror book. Um, I could list off so many, but those are the ones that I've got right now that I would highly recommend. Thank you so much, Dr. Lee Francis IV. We learned a lot about you. Thank you for t taking the time every day to talk with us. Can you let everyone at home know about any upcoming projects and where they can connect with you? Sure, absolutely. You can find me uh, at Red Planet's uh, Books N Comics. It's not Books and, it's booksncomics.com. Uh, you can see all the things that we have uh, in the shop. Uh, it's all online. Uh, Native Realities is getting a facelift, so it'll be back up to kind of show the projects that we are, we're, the upcoming projects, specifically the card game that we've got coming on. We're going to be working on with uh, Dr. La Ponce on a, a super secret project that we can't talk about right now, but be on the lookout for it. <laughs> Uh, it should be a lot of fun, and we've uh, there's a couple of fun role-playing games that we're trying to get out as well. So um, that's the upcoming stuff. You can find me at Twitter at Lee Francis IV, Lee Francis Four, um, Facebook. Just literally type in Lee Francis Fourth. You'll find me everywhere. And uh, yeah, and uh, Indigenous Comic Con, Red Planet Books and Comics, Native Realities, uh, Wordcraft Circle, and all things in between. Awesome! Thank you so much for your Thank time. You so we much. really enjoyed it. Oh, Thank my you pleasure. So much. Thank you all. This was great. This was a great Thank interview. Oh, yeah. like Thank you. Thank you. That I've had. I don't get to. I mean, I do the sort of the road stuff, but I don't get to like, right. like kind of nerd as much as I did on this one. <laughs> this was great. I like the rapid fire. Those Yay. are good questions. Yeah, I'm you. so glad you enjoyed it.